After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Well, we're going into Luke's gospel this morning, so uh, please do turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. So Luke chapter 19 this morning, as we think about Jesus coming into Jerusalem, this wonderful passage in Scripture for us. So Luke chapter 19, and we're going to look at these verses that Laura read for us just a few moments ago. Now, I wonder this morning, when was the last time that you rose to your feet in praise of someone? When did you last stand up and shout out in praise? Who was it for? Perhaps it was at a royal visit you were standing, and either the king or the prince or someone else in the royal family, were, they were passing by, and you clapped and you cheered and you shouted in praise. Maybe it was at a football match or a rugby game or at a hockey match. Uh, maybe the players were leaving the pitch and you thought they deserved a round of applause, or perhaps you just sat in your seat because they were awful on that particular day. Maybe it was at a concert, whenever your favorite artist appeared, you clapped them and you cheered and you were able to sing along with them. Or maybe it was at a child's sports day or prize-giving event. But you have to admit that circumstances like that are pretty rare. Whenever we rise to our feet, whenever we clap, whenever we sing in praise, whenever we maybe wave something in celebration, I once went to a Portadown final, hard to believe that, a Portadown football club final, and as we were passing by the flag sellers, one of my friends said, buy a flag, buy a flag. I said, will you buy one? I'll buy one too. I buy the flag. He says, I'm not going to buy a flag. <laughs> but you buy it and you wave it and you, and you celebrate, you're passionate and you're enthusiastic. You're praising someone, you're praising a few people. 
It's a sign of honor. It's a sign of respect, maybe, a sign of delight, a sign of joy. You've been stirred in your soul to, to bring praise. You're on your feet. Well, in this passage, what do we see? The people are on their feet. They're praising the king. They're throwing down their coats on the ground. They're waving palm branches in the air. They're enthusiastic. They're passionate. They're fired up. They've been stirred up. And why? Because they see who it is. They see that this is King Jesus coming into his city. And so the challenge for us really simply this morning as we look at this passage is, is he the king for you or not? Does he deserve not just your, your coat, but your all? Is he the one that you will worship? Is he God or is he a fraud? Will you worship him or will you walk away from him? God or fraud? Worship or walk away? Well, as we consider the answer to these things, I want us to see two points this morning as we dive into the text. And the first is simply worship the King. If I can drag you to Jesus this morning, or if I can get you to, to see Jesus in all of His beauty, this is the one thing that I want you to leave with. Worship Him. Worship Him. Worship the King. If you're going to do anything with your life, worship King Jesus. Everything else, it can wait. All the projects that you have, all the things that you're hoping to do with your life, all of the little ambitions, all of the things that you've been thinking about that need done today, all of those little activities, put them on the shelf. The most important thing for every soul that's in the meeting house this morning to do is to worship the King. Simple. Worship King Jesus. And as we look at this text, what we want to draw out this morning is a number, is a number of massive signposts that Luke is, is trying to help us see so that we don't miss who Jesus is. And as we see these signposts, that we would see Him in His glorious splendor. And that would expand our minds and expand our hearts in praise of who He is. So let's, let's come through these. The first one I want us to see as we think about worshiping the King is the location. So look at verse Look at the verse where we, we begin. Verse 28, when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. Verse 29, and when he drew near to Bethage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples saying, and then he sends them in. Where is Jesus? Think about the location. He's at Bethage and Bethany, He's on the Mount of Olives. He's in the region where his favorite family lives, where Mary and Martha and Lazarus live. But more importantly than that, this is something that we miss. We don't, we don't pick this up in the text. But where is Jesus? Well, if he's at Bethage and Bethany, he's on the east side of the Mount of Olives. He's on the east side. Now, what significance does that have? Well, it has huge significance. And I want to take us back into the book of Ezekiel. And in Ezekiel chapter 10 and verses 18 through 19, what do we read? 
I'll read it for you. Ezekiel chapter 10, 18 through 19. Then the glory of the Lord went out from the threshold of the house and stood over the cherubim. And the cherubim lifted up their wings and mounted up from the earth before my eyes as they went out with the wheels beside them. And they stood at the entrance of the east gate of the house of the Lord, and the glory of the God of Israel was over them. So they're at the east gate, and then into chapter 11 and verse 23, and the glory of the Lord went up from the midst of the city and stood on the mountain that is on the east side of the city. This is the the Shekinah glory of the Lord, His presence dwelling with His people. And here the prophet in Ezekiel sees this vision, and he is told about how the, the glory of the Lord is going to depart from Jerusalem. And it comes to pass, chapter 11, verse 23, and the glory of the Lord goes out through what? The east gate, and it goes up the mount of what? Up the mount of olives, and it stands, the glory of the Lord stands on the mountain. The people have lost His presence. He no longer dwells in the city. God's glory has departed. And then, in Luke chapter 19, and in verse 29, what do we see? The glory of the Lord stands on the east side. He's on the east of the city. He's on the east side of this very mountain that we read of in Ezekiel. Here the glory of the Lord coming back to His people into His city. And look at where He goes, verse 45. Where's the first place that Jesus goes? And He entered the temple. The glory of the Lord, God's only Son comes the Godhead, bringing the presence back into the city, into Jerusalem, right into the midst of the temple. And what does he begin to do? Well, verse 46, he he starts to, to cleanse the temple. And then look at verses 47 and verses 48. What happens? Well, here we see that the Lord comes and He teaches His people. He speaks to His people. See how amazing the little geographical markers are here for us, something that we totally miss, this incredible moment, this wonderful moment, the holy presence of God returning to a city, the glory of God in Christ, the very Son of God, the second member of the Godhead coming down into the city. Huge significance for us. And Zechariah mentions this as well. In Zechariah 14 and in verse 4, looking forward to Jesus' second coming, the the significance of the Mount of Olives is mentioned. On that day, it says, His feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives, and then the Lord my God will come, and all the holy ones with Him. And so it seems that not only the coming of Christ in this passage for the first time, is significant on the Mount of Olives, but to His second coming. And so, the location is prophesied. And in this moment, it is loaded with significance 
Here is the king. Signpost number one, don't miss him in his glory. The glory of the Lord coming to be with his people. Then, then come with me into verse 30. What else do we see? The second massive signpost for us is this signpost of submission. Verse 30, now go into the village in front of you where you're entering, and you will find a cold tide on which no one has ever yet sat. And then say, verse 31, that the Lord is in need of it. Why is this important? Why is this little detail, this little uh, uh, mention of, of how to go into a city to, to get this coat to get the, 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 from the village? Why is it mentioned? Well, it's mentioned because it's a huge signpost again from Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. Because in Zechariah chapter 9 and in verse 9, we're told, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold your king is coming to you, righteous, and having salvation is he, humble, and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And you can imagine that people scratching their heads and something, something flashing up in their mind, oh, wait a second, we have been told about this. We have to been told about one who's going to come, and he's going to be seated on a donkey, on a little colt. Could this be? Is this? Maybe? The exact prophecy foretold and fulfilled. And there's a little detail that I love here. Jesus proves his authority to the disciples. He proves it by what? By telling them that they'll find a colt, he can see the coat. He knows it's going to be there. He's the Lord. He knows that it's tied up. He knows that the owners are going to ask, why do you want this coat? He's going to tell them that the Lord needs it. They're going to have submission in that, and they're going to give it. But there's, something, there's some other little detail here that I think is wonderful. Luke records for us that, that this little coat had never been ridden before. Now, I can't get my dog to sit or to stay or to roll over. The animal kingdom, it doesn't obey, sure it doesn't. It takes lots of work for us to rule over it. And you can imagine, you've watched the Western films where the cowboys go out with their lasso and try and round up these young horses. Can you imagine? Donkeys are crooked animals, aren't they? They're stubborn animals. What happens? Jesus, in His Lordship, in His authority over all of earth, every, every part of it, sits on this young colt, and it goes into the city. It carries the Lord, and it submits. His creature, you see, under His control, His creation submitting to His rule, the Lion of Judah, the King, comes from the promised line of David on the colt. He has arrived. See how layer after layer is building up. But He's not done. Then our third little thing that we want to see, our third signpost, as it were, the announcement of adoration. Look at verse 36. Then they spread their cloaks on the road, just as they did, in 2 Kings 9 and 13. 
Because in 2 Kings 9 and 13, it tells us this, Then in haste every man of them took his garment and put it under him on the burr steps, and they blew the trumpet and proclaimed, Jehu is king. Oh, this should be flashing lots of warning symbols for us, big flashing lights. Don't miss him. Worship the king. This is who he is. Cloaks on the ground, people spreading out, people announcing the king. Well, this has happened before, only this time it's King Jesus. And so look at verse 37. Down the Mount of Olives he comes with the multitude of his disciples, and they rejoice and they praise. Verse 38, they sing out, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Does that chime another bell in our memories? Of course it does, doesn't it? Back to the very beginning of Luke, Luke chapter 2, verses 13 through 14, and suddenly with Jesus' arrival onto the earth, and suddenly there was an angel, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. With Jesus' arrival, what do we have at the beginning of Luke? The heavenly host singing praise to him. And then here, as he comes into his town, it's, it's not the angels, but this time it's the crowd announcing his arrival. The king is here. The peace bringer has arrived. Glory to him. But it's not all plain sailing. Look at verse 39. And we'll come back to this, but verse 39, and some of the Pharisees there in the crowd, and they said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And the Pharisees are, are fuming. They're not happy. And they're not happy because of the, the fourth thing that we see, the exaltation of verse 40, verse 40. Wonderful words from Jesus. I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Where does that come from? Isaiah 55 and verse 12, for you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. This is the significance for us. As we layer these up, don't miss Jesus. Don't miss him today. Don't miss the high king of heaven who, who, who's before us, who's riding in, as it were, riding into our very midst, coming amongst us this morning. And as he rides in, the question simply is, is he, is he riding into your life? Is he king of your life? Is he the one that you want to worship? All of these Old Testament prophecies here for our benefit to see that this is the one who has been foretold. That this isn't some sort of fake or sham. He's not, he's not a phony. This is the king. Teacher, rebuke your disciples. The Pharisees stand at the sidelines and they say, stop this. 
Stop this praise. Stop this singing. Stop this enthusiasm for Jesus. Stop this nonsense. Settle yourselves down. You can imagine them trying to grab palm branches out of people's hands. Put, the, put those down. And speaking, now, now Thomas or, or Philip or, or whoever, just put that down. Don't, don't pick that up and praise. Stop that. And they want Jesus to rebuke his disciples, to rebuke the crowd, because it's uncomfortable for them, isn't it? If Jesus is who he says he is, the Pharisees are going to have to change. Everything in their system is going to have to change, and they don't want that. They don't want to be made uncomfortable. They don't like being unsettled. He wants Jesus, they want Jesus to stop ruffling fellers. And nothing has changed, has it? It's the cry of the world. Verse 39, rebuke your disciples. Stop this. Don't make us uncomfortable. We've been constructing a lovely nest of self-indulgence. Don't ruffle us up. Don't make us change things. Don't come into our, our life. Don't write into our life. Don't write into our city that we hold, the, the city that we have constructed. Don't start to change my categories. Be silent. Just like we thought about a few weeks ago in Acts. And so it is the cry of our society, isn't it? Stop telling us this God stuff. We don't want to hear about it. Jesus, who is the king, who has authority over our lives by what he speaks in this book, we don't want any of that. And if we do want a little fragrance of religion, what we're going to do is we're going to take a piece of, of tipax and we're going to edit this book to fit our needs. And whenever we come to a passage that we don't like, what are we going to do? Well, we're just going to find a way around that. It was cultural, or it was, it was something to do about the time. And, and they didn't really understand who we are as humans. And we added the book. Shush the book. Shush the Lord. Don't make us uncomfortable. Here's the best news. See if all of us as Christians here today should be taken home before the Lord returns out of Northern Ireland. See if every Christian in the land of, of Ireland should be taken home to glory. And all that's left on the island of Ireland is secular people, and then the Lord returns to Mount Zion, to, to the, the Mount of Olives. Do you know what will happen? The rocks in Ireland will cry out in praise of him. The mountains of Morn will burst forth in praise of our King. The very rocks will cry out. The giant's causeway will lift in praise. The great cliffs of Moher will cry on our King. If they are silent, the rocks will cry out. Because even the stones can see who their King is. So our king will receive praise that is due to him. What do you say with your mouth? All heal King Jesus or hang him on a cross? Deal with him. Get him out of my life. I don't want him here. I have no time for him. I don't want to think about all the things in my life that's going to have to change. 
That's the fear, isn't it? That's the fear that the enemy speaks to us here this morning. If you're, if you're half-hearted in, in our Christian discipleship this morning, what, what holds you back? You're afraid about what's going to have to change. And if you're not a Christian here this morning, what are you afraid of? You're, you're afraid of what all, all the things in your life that's going to have to change. You're afraid of what your friends will say. You're afraid of what will have to to move in your life. Do you know this morning you're surrounded with people who would love to help you in that? As you worship the King, who would love to take you and, and walk with you through this. And yes, your friends might say, oh, sure, you, you had no time for that all of your life. And now you've, now you've changed. Oh, I, now you've changed. Well for you. Who cares what to say? This is the King. Worship him. Don't leave the meeting house this morning without worshiping him. The king has come. And what sort of king is he? And this point is much shorter, verses 41 through 44. What type of king is he? Worship him because he's the king who weeps. He's the king who weeps. He weeps over the city. Look at verse 41. It's one of those those moments in Scripture, whenever we hear about the, the emotions of Jesus, as He comes down the Mount of Olives, as He draws near the city, He wept over it. He wept. Why does Jesus weep? Well, He weeps he weeps at the very place that we're told of in 2 Samuel 15 and verse 30, that David wept over his son. On the Mount of Olives, at this side, David wept over Absalom, his rebellious son, his sinful son, his son who had, who had left his family and done what was pleasing in his own eyes. And so, here is the true son, the one from the royal line who stands and he weeps. Why does he weep? He weeps because of the sin of the city. He, he weeps, we're told, verse 42, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. Jerusalem, can't you see? Can't you see who I am? For the days will come days of judgment will come when your enemies will come against you. And why is Jesus here? He's here to make peace. He says it. I'm here to make peace in verse 42 between man and between God. He's here to be the, the sacrificial lamb. We were thinking about it this morning in the prayer meeting as, as thousands and thousands of lambs come in for the Passover meal. Who's in the midst of them? King Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, coming to make peace. Jesus saying that He is the King, that He is here for His people. And He weeps. He weeps over the city that doesn't see Him. Jesus is a good King. He's not here to be a tyrant. 
He's not here to spoil fun. He's here to bring life and to bring peace. And as he weeps over this, what can we see today in Jesus? That he weeps over countries and cities and towns and villages that have turned their back on him. And those words, I think those words are are very apt for us in verse 42. Would that you, even you, Jerusalem, would you, even you, Scotland, Scotland, the land that once burned brightly for the Lord, Would it be you, that even you in Northern Ireland, where churches dominate every town and every almost acre of our countryside, would it be that even you walk away from me? Would it be that even you, that would it be you, even you sitting in the meeting house at Hill Street this morning, on the 2nd of April, miss the peace that Jesus, the Lamb of God, brings to us? Would it be you? Jesus weeps. He weeps over rebellious, covenantal children who have gone astray. He weeps over those who cannot see who He is. And so our call is simply again, come. Come and worship Him. The King who is grieved with sin and with rebellion weeps over those who cannot see Him. Isn't that a wonderful thought? It's a moving thought. As our very King would weep and weep over those who will not worship Him. So as we close, Christian today, as we sit here, what a God we worship. The one that we come and we praise. Whenever we see all of these things, it should stretch our minds and our hearts. We, we, have, we have quickly ran through several texts there in the Old Testament, not as an academic exercise, but as an ex- exercise to, to expand our love for our Savior, to see Him for who He really is. And so, Christian today, use the words of verse 37 as we see the King. And then into verse 38, blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Use those. Blessed is the King who comes to rescue, who comes to forgive. And if you have never taken those words upon your lips, would you today come and worship Him? Please come and worship Him. See Him for who He is. Have forgiveness in Him. Bow down and worship, for this is our God.